Okay. Today's Vad was dedicated to Fuhr Shalema for Esther Bas Aviva Nechoma Gittel. Mazat Hashem and the Zechut and the Limud HaTorah of the Rabbim. And the Zechut and the Tzedakah, she should have a Fuhr Shalema Bekorev Mamish. Okay? So now we're holding over here in Madrigas HaOdom. You know who Madrigas HaOdom is, Ramayisha? You ever heard of the altar from the Vardik? He was one of the big, huge Balei Musa. There was three altars. Altar from Kelm, altar from Slabotke, altar from Nevardic. These were the three pillars of Musa back in the day. Okay? So the altar from Nevardic wrote a sefer called Madrega Saodom, which is a very profound, deep sefer. And we're learning from here the, uh, the section of the book called Bir Hamidus. Where a person has to learn how to understand himself, understand what triggers him, understand his midas. And he has to know how to elevate his midot according to the way the Torah wants him to use it, okay? And one of the great um, ideas that are being discussed over here is that a person has to be open to subjugate himself to constructive criticism. Because a human being doesn't see always his flaws. Okay? But we do find in the world that there are people that accept Musar, accept criticism, and we find people in the world that deflect it. And they justify their behaviors. Okay? So the question is, how does that process work? Because we're all good people, and we all want to do the right thing in life, right? So how does that work? So he explained yesterday, we were working on this, um, that some people, everybody has to feel that what they're doing is correct. That's the way it goes, okay? So some people train themselves to always find the truth, and... When they find the truth and they live by the truth, they learn how to enjoy life that way, which we're going to talk about a little bit more, okay? And why that's very necessary for a human being to have sipuk and to enjoy what he's doing. But the benefits is secondary. First you find the truth, and then you find the beauty in the truth. And you learn to adapt to it and to enjoy it. Some people, they only, the first and foremost is they're looking to enjoy. They're looking to fill their will and their desires. After that, they'll build the justification around it. Okay? He said, even the Rasha, who's Michal Shabbos Befarhesya, he has a theological justification to why he does what he does. But first, he wanted the pleasure of having money. And therefore he wanted his business to be open. Afterwards he found the justification for it. Okay? There's a famous story with Reb Chaim Brisker. Where somebody who was once religious, who was off the derech, and he had many questions on religion. So he said to Reb Chaim, I want to ask you my questions, and I want honest answers. So Reb Chaim said, that's not a problem. I just, you have to answer my question first. He said, okay. He said, 
Did your questions on religion come before you were Mechalel Shabbat or after you were Mechalel Shabbat? Before you ate not kosher or after you ate not kosher, right? And all these things. So he said, after. So he said, therefore, your questions aren't questions. Your questions are answers to justify your behaviors. Chaim said, I can't answer answers. Questions I can answer. But I can't give tirutzim on tirutzim. I can only give tirutzim on kushyot. So that's the question. Is the justification process happening after the fact? Okay? Now, the altar for Navardic is working with Avimelech being the person that is the example that we're using to show a person who had a taiva first and all the justification came later. Avimelech felt justified to take Sarah because Abraham Avinu said she is my sister. He never claimed that she is the wife. Abraham Briska just because we mentioned him, so now we'll bring him in again, and the Briskarov, which is his son, say even further. He say, if you look in the Pesukim, Abimelech claimed that Abraham Avinu said that Sarah is his sister, and also Sarah said that Abraham is my brother. Why did he add that? So Reb Chaim says, because before Matan Torah, a person, there was no such thing as Kedushin and Gerishin. It was basically marriage was two adults, a man and a woman, coming together and making a decision to be married. And the way you could get rid of the marriage is if the husband and wife both decide that they want to part ways, Right? So by him saying she's my sister, and by her saying he's my brother, they are saying, in other words, that we even if we were married, we're no longer married. You don't need a, a garrison process. You're just not interested in the marriage anymore. So therefore, he felt totally and completely justified. Okay? Now, Abraham Avinu comes back... What? Even if they were, he's saying, even if they were, it's still justified. Because remember, the altar from, Ke- from the Nevardic was Medayik, that even after he found out that she's Abraham's wife, he still felt justified not to return her. How, what's the justification for that? Teret says their marriage was null and void. So therefore he doesn't have to give her back either. You understand? Now, Abraham Avinu, his counter-argument was that he was forced to say Achoy Why? Ki en yirat elokim b'makom Because there's no yirat shamayim here. What does that mean, the way the altar explains it? Because they came into town and all of a sudden they're asking about his wife. It's not normal to go ahead and ask about a wife. Obviously there's a desire and the way the altar is explaining it, Al-Pidarka, is that once there is a desire, all your tainas are only tirutzim, justifications. You understand? So they're not real reasons of emet. They're justifications 
to facilitate and to allow the Taiva to go ahead. And the real deep point that the altar was making was that a person who allows that the first and foremost is his Taiva comes first, the justification comes second, could do the worst thing in the world. They could actually kill a husband because Abraham said, Hareguni al Divarishti, he will kill me. Kill a man and take his wife. Even though they're not a mushchus ba'etzim, right? So why would they do that? Because once you start justifying your behavior, there's no end to the justification and you want what you want, you're going to get it at all costs and you will come up with some kind of shtickle terror, we call it, to justify killing a man and taking his wife too. Okay? So we learn a lot about the kohot nefesh ha'adam. Let's read a little bit more and get more of the amkis that's coming out from the altar. So we got up to the paragraph, Josh, you have your book, page Kuf Chaf Hey, the paragraph. We spoke it out a little bit yesterday, but I'm going to read it inside, where he said, if every single person in this world, when he makes a decision, no matter what the decision is, he has to meet two conditions. Condition number one is that the decision he's making has to be something that is arev, it's sweet to him, it's pleasurable to him, it's prosperous for him, makes sense for him. And secondly, it has to be emet. So a person who is a straight person, a great person, a tzaddik, he first puts the emet in front and then he gets the sweetness from the truth. As opposed to the Rasha, who puts the sweetness first and then creates the justification afterwards. Okay, remember we said that yesterday? So now I'll read it inside. What is the main difference between a tzaddik and a rasha? He says, Of course, a tzaddik knows that the Torah has a very big sweetness to it. Kemoshe Amara Katuv, what does the Torah say about it? What does the Torah itself testify about the Torah? Hanehemadim Mizahav Umipazrav Umtukim Midbash. There's two things that when the Torah wants to describe the sweetness of Torah, it compares it to number one, gold. And treasures. And secondly, it compares it to honey. What's those two analogies? Okay? Two analogies. The Torah is compared to zahav, to gold, and treasures. And it's compared to honey. So he explains. He says that gold has a plus and a minus. And divash and honey has a plus and a minus. What's the plus and minus? Let's see. He says, "Bedvash yesh chisaron im yochal harbe yokio aharkach." Honey, if you eat too much of it, you'll get nauseous. Can't eat too much. A little bit, right? But the mila is. What's the mila of honey? It's very sweet when you eat it. Zahav, gold, has a mila. Because even if you're going to have tons of gold, you will never get sick of it. Okay? But the chasarin is 
that there's no hano in the actual gold itself. The whole hano of gold is that it's an emtsa'i, that it is a means by which to get something. The hainu, he could buy things, right? But if a person would, let's say, be in a desert, and there's no water and no food and no anything to buy, and he has a lot of money, it's not going to do anything for him. It's as if he has none, correct? Avala Torah yesh bo shne ma'alot. Yesh la shne ma'alot. Ha'achat. Ma she'en ze emtsai ela she'atzmo mahuso huano. The actual learning itself is pleasurable. Not because if you become a Talmi Chacham, you can get a job. It's not a means to something else. It's in itself sweet. Okay? And then he says, and even if you take a lot of it, you won't become disgusted by it. The way it works at all Hano of this world, pleasure, physical pleasure, is the more you do it, the less it's enjoyable. After a while, you're sick of it. There's a very deep psychological lumbus to that, but I'm not going into that right now. But that's the way it works. Okay? Now, we see that as a fact. And that's really where a person uh, moves from pleasure-seeking to addiction. Because by the time a person is addicted, there's no longer any pleasure. It's only an addiction. Okay? That's a sugya. Well, maybe one day we'll talk about it. Say that. Trevor, you want to hear about this one day? Deep stuff. Okay. Bye. So he says, Adirab, ki mashi shmoreta Torah yoter teyecha viva alav yoter. The more you learn it, the more sweet it becomes. Nimsaki time ago, vigam emet. So Torah has sweetness, the greatest sweetness ever, because it has the pluses of honey and the pluses of money. Vigam emet. Torah also has emet. Sherak. So, so a tzaddik, this is a very deep point, Rabbi Isa. You would think a tzaddik learns Torah only because it's the truth. No. A tzaddik learns Torah because it's truth and it's sweet. You need that attribute as well. You're a human being, and a human being has to feel vitality, has to feel chiyus. He has to have attachment. And attachment only comes from the pleasure that he's getting. So you need that. So the tzaddik, is, his learning is based on two things. His learning and his kiyomater is based on the sweetness and the truth. He says, only by these means can I reach pleasure. He makes... Cheshboinus, why it's true. So what's the difference between them, right? So this is what we spoke out yesterday. Today we're going to read it inside. Ulam b'zeyesh hevdel gadol. Ki ha'ikr toli mahu koidim u'mahu me'uchar. What comes first and what comes second. Im ha'tam nolad meha'emet is the taste being born from the truth. Or sha'emet nolad minatam. Or is the truth being born from the taste? Truth gives the tam. He, he took upon himself to live a truthful life without the flavor. 
He embraced the truth because it's the truth. When you start getting into learning, it's not necessarily you feel the flavor, right? After you dedicate yourself to the truth, you will feel the, 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 the sweetness. So that means that the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it, that Torah and is not sweet in the beginning. You know why? Because the Torah is testing us to see if we're going to sacrifice for the truth. So it's, if it's going to be sweet right in the beginning, you don't know that you're for the truth. you got to have sacrifice for the truth. And sacrifice means it's not fun. Okay? Now, so therefore, that has a good deep point. The, we mentioned before that the flavor of Torah is more enjoyable than all the flavors of the world because Zahav has its limitations. Devash has its limitations, but Torah encompasses all forms of pleasure. Therefore, what is the main ingredient to be able to overcome challenges? This is a very deep point, Rabotai, you have to get this clear. If you embrace the Torah because it's the truth, okay, then in the time of big tests, you won't be able to hold. You have to develop through attachment to the truth that now you have like a desire for it. It becomes pleasurable to you. That's what will give you the strength not to be lured away from the Torah. You need to come to that level. And it's a whole avoid how to get there. Okay? After he found the Tam and the Emes, nothing else is going to speak to him. Right? Because it's hidden in the Emet itself. Taste it and you'll see. First try it. Like the Mishnah says, Masechet Avot, if a person is willing to subjugate himself to Amelut Torah, right? Pat Bamelach Tocham. He will be willing to eat even the smallest amount of food and drink the smallest amount of drink. And he'll be willing to sleep on the floor. Meaning, a guy who says learning is the most important thing in life. It's more important than all the money, the silver, the, the luxuries and everything. And even if it means that he's going to have to sleep on the floor and eat the smallest amount of food, he's doing it anyway, and he's going to be amel Torah. Then what does it say? Ashrecha ba'olam hazeh. Then you'll have a good life. Olam hazeh life. So somebody once asked the Chofetz Chaim, he says, Tov lach le'olam haba, ani mevin. Sacrifice? 
all the pleasures of this world, and sit and learn, okay, I understand, you can have a great Elam Haba. But how does the Mishnah say, Ashrecha ba'olam azeh? It's not Elam Haza, I'm sleeping on the floor. So the Chofetz Chaim said, you didn't read the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Im ata oseh ken ashrecha ba'olam azeh. Until you try it, you won't feel it. That means, from the outside, you can't understand how it can be a pleasurable life. If you try it, it'll be a pleasurable life. So here, the Oymek Advarim. Hashem made it like this. That Emet is enjoyable. It's pleasurable. It's so pleasurable that no tiger in the world could take you away from it. But you have to sacrifice for the truth in order to get to the pleasure of the truth. Then you will feel the Ashrecha Ba'olam Hazeh. You understand? That's a very important thing in our Avoidah. Because when we're young, we want to do things that are exciting. We want to do things that are pleasurable. We want to do, that's the way we are. Naturally, that's the way we are, right? So if your Rebbe gets up and he gives you a shmuz and he says, there's nothing more geschmack than a tesis, you think the guy's out of his mind, you know? I could list you a hundred things that are much more geschmack than a tesis, right? So you think it's one of those Rebbe speeches. You know those Rebbe speeches? Right? It's uh, the propaganda, the Rebbe propaganda, you know, right? But really, the truth is, it is enjoyable, but not in the beginning. It's not enjoyable in the beginning. In the beginning, it's everything but enjoyable. To concentrate on a tesis, to concentrate on a tesis means that for a moment you don't concentrate on yourself. And that's one of the hardest things in the world. The source of all tithes says in many Makaris, the source of all tithes is Gaiva. Huh? So Terence says, because Gaiva means using the power of concentration to concentrate on yourself. We all have power of concentration. We're not ADD. Right? Even ADD has the power of concentration on what he wants. Right? Intense concentration is a power that a human being has. But if you take that intense concentration and you concentrate on yourself and your needs and your pleasures and things that make you excited, you're concentrating on it. So when you concentrate on it and you understand it and you go into the umkis of yourself, then you're driven to find those pleasures. So Taiva is born from Gaiva. Very deep thing. Big Yisoyim. So Gaiva means self-concentration. Self-absorption. From Gaiva comes Taiva. Now if I tell you, stop concentrating on yourself for a minute and put your total and complete concentration on a Toysvis, that's a very hard challenge for a human being. Got it? So in the beginning, it's very difficult. After you train yourself to do it, you will start to feel the flavor in it. Once you feel the flavor of what it means, the flavor of Torah, then when somebody comes over to you and says, I want to give you money to leave the kolel, you will look at him like he's a Majnun case. You will look at him like he's missing some screws. You want to give me that for this? You're joking? You understand? Let's quickly finish the last paragraph because we have to daven. 
First, the pleasure comes. He sees the pleasure in the thing. And then he'll justify it. So the guy sees money. Oh, money. Shmack. I can do this with the money. I can do that with the money. It's going to be life. It's going to be gewaldic. Now, he has a problem. He's the yeshiva bocher. I have to leave yeshiva. I have to answer to somebody. I have to answer to my father, my mother, my wife, my, my in-laws, whatever it is. Now he has all kinds of shtickle terms. I can learn better. Da, 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 whatever it is. Whatever his justification process. Because he already saw the money first. Follow? So what's the difference between a tzaddik and a rasha? A tzaddik embraces truth even when it's not geshmak because it's the truth and he finds the geshmak later. The rasha finds the geshmak first and justifies it. You understand? A lot of people don't get happy in learning and satisfied in learning until in their brain they decided they want to embrace it. While they're still in their brain grappling, should I stay in Yeshiva, should I not stay in Yeshiva, should I learn, should I work, should I? they can't enjoy the learning because they didn't embrace it yet. The moment they embraced it, all of a sudden the pleasure comes. Follow? Okay, this is a deep subject. We have to stop here.